0: This is the weekly sales meeting for the week of January 29th, 2023. My name is Chris Fleming. You can reach me at chris at cdmediaconsulting.com or go to our website at cdmediaconsulting.com. Today's topic is Kabuki theater. At one time or another, we have all been involved in a game of charades. Whether as a child playing with friends, as an adult at a party, or in the workplace dealing with difficult or unpleasant people, we put on a happy face for the moment and then go running to the restroom to be ill, all because we had to deal with someone or something that we shouldn't have to put up with in real life. The charade itself is designed to protect our fragile egos. It is a protective mechanism to limit the damage to our self-esteem. By definition, a charade is an absurd pretense intended to create a pleasant or respectable appearance. We have all acted in this play. We have done it in both our personal and professional lives. Our belief is that we are helping ourselves with this facade. We feel better in the short term, but in the end it creates more harm than good. We learn this practice of theater and drama at a young age. We begin practicing at the dinner table. Families many dysfunctional will still get together and pretend everything is okay. We are taught not to bring drama to the dinner table The actor Michael J. Fox said it this way. The oldest form of theater is the dinner table. It's got five or six people, a new show every night, same players, good ensemble. The people have worked together a lot. Think about those times when you've been involved in this show's production. Sometimes you are an actor, other times the director. Like when you go to that relative's house for a holiday meal and you all pretend to be nice to each other. Meanwhile, the other 364 days a year, you tear each other down. This is the theater we are talking about instead of showing our true feelings we bury them to keep the peace some have been encouraged to keep quiet so we can get through dinner and be done with it for this year I'm not saying I know someone this has happened to but I know I can picture the scene We have done it in the workplace too. This plays out in our business relationships up and down the office food chain. Sometimes it is the one-on-one meeting with your manager where you pretend you are doing well and you both know this is not the case, but neither wants to address the elephant in the room. It is kind of a kabuki theater designed by the human brain to protect us from harm. Kabuki is a form of classical Japanese theater known for its elaborate costumes and known for its over-the-top acting. Often this term is used in modern American politics. It is used to describe grandstanding and gaslighting. These tactics are more akin to the political stage than the theater. It also finds its way into the workplace. We put on a good face when we do not want to be in the same room with our workplace frenemy or we go to our respective review meeting hoping not to address our own performance both parties leave resentful of the other there is clear blame for this tragedy on both sides employees are charged with being responsible for their performance it is a basic expectation management is equal in this theater many do not want to address conflict head-on instead choosing to circumvent the communication chain, they will stop having meaningful conversations with those they deem non-essential. They find pathways to avoid using the person they claim is the problem, to the point that others in your company will notice this avoidance, and they will begin to practice the same treatment. It marginalizes and minimizes the contributions of some team members. It creates a microcosm of dysfunction that could cripple any team. The best course of action is to deal with the issue head on with the truth. But in the day and age of litigation, this is often not practical. Instead, the kabuki theater plays out as charades. On one side, management hopes the person will quit and save them the headache of removal. On the employee side, unhappy individuals will bide their time to see if something better will come along. And if you're an employee, you owe it to yourself to have an honest assessment of your own performance. Did you give it your full effort? No really. Was it your full effort or was it half-hearted because you no longer believe in the vision, or you? did. It was a job. If so, that's okay. But you have to be honest about that. If you are in management, congratulations, you have contributed to the mass wave of quiet quitting. This is how it starts. It starts with a lack of transparency and honesty. This lack of honesty is the main player in this theatrical workplace production. It exists on both sides of the ledger. Both employers and employees engage in the theater of deception. It starts in the interview process with a lack of transparency. Employers don't wanna tell the employees how much they're willing to pay to employ them. Employees don't wanna tell employers what they need to take the job. The gamesmanship starts at that stage. I don't think it ever improves from there. Norman Vincent Peale was best known for popularizing the idea of positive thinking. His 1952 book, The Power of Positive Thinking, was a bestseller. He said, promises are like crying babies in a theater. They should be carried out at once. What if we started the employee-employer relationship from a basis point of truth? How would that change the theater production of the future? The most important dancer of the 20th century was Martha Graham. She was responsible for the Graham technique. She reshaped American dance. Her method is still taught worldwide. Talk about making your mark on the world. She said theater is a verb before it is a noun, an act before it is a place. She knew that theater was a living, breathing animal, and it takes place between humans and their emotions. And it is a verb first. It is actionable so it can be changed by one or both sides of an argument. Employees and employers need each other. On the employer side, the charge is to create a safe, productive, yet challenging work environment. On the employee side, it is to execute to your fullest abilities the needs of the employer, but it doesn't stop there. Full functioning organizations, one with limited turnover and satisfied employees, pay attention to the changing needs of their people. They exhibit open and honest communication, and ensure everyone understands the role they play in the success of the company. Dysfunctional ones engage in the practice of withholding information and deception. If you are not sure which one you have, take a look at your employee satisfaction and turnover ratio. If you have high turnover and low satisfaction, it is not your employee's fault. Evaluate your situation, no matter what side you are on. Does your employer value you as a contributor to their success, or are you another name on a spreadsheet? Do you know what role you play in the success of the organization? When was the last time someone thanked you for your efforts? If things are not what you would like them to be, speak up. If you are on a healthy team, this should be encouraged. If it is not, you already have your answer of what your next move should be. As an employer, what are you doing to make your workplace better for your people? Do they understand what role they play in the success of the organization? What are you doing to recognize those that do well? How are you dealing with those that are underperforming? If you are letting the underperformers hang around without course corrective behavior, this is the theater we are talking about and akin to sanctioning this behavior, normalizing it for everyone. While we can put on a happy face, I think I am incapable. In Shakespeare's Hamlet, the protagonist said to Ophelia, God has given you one face and you make yourself another. I tend to wear my displeasure on my face. If I don't like it or don't agree, I will let you know. My wife will often tell me, you are making that face, and I will tell her, it's the only one I have. Humor aside, some are incapable of masking their feelings. It should not be necessary to hide what one is feeling. Our jobs are often that, jobs. If it was meant to be 100% pleasure, it would have been called fun or vacation. Instead, it's called a job. But shouldn't we derive some joy from it? We spend more than half our lives working. Should it be spent on something we enjoy doing, at least to some degree? As my grandfather told me when I was four, find something you love to do, and then find some idiot to pay you for it, even if that idiot is you. Otherwise, your chances of being miserable will go up, and you will end up playing this game of charades or kabuki theater. And what good comes of that? My new book, You Can't Lead from the Back of the Room, Nor Should You, is now available on Audible as an audiobook download. If you like what you have heard here today, please consider downloading a copy or two. You can always send one to a friend. Go to cdmediaconsulting.com right now and follow the instructions to order.